0: hello and welcome to the adhd mums podcast i'm your host jane and i'm here to let you know you are not alone this is a safe place where we can talk openly about our struggles with having adhd being a mum and dealing with life a little outside the box we are real people with real stories who want to be able to laugh confine and strive to be better than what we were yesterday my name is jane mcbadden i'm a 36 year old mother of three who was diagnosed with adhd a little over a year ago I'm here to help you live out your full potential with a diagnosis or without one. I am passionate about helping others take back their life and having a great time while doing so. On this show, you can expect to laugh, hear vulnerable discussions and learn why things are the way they are for mums with ADHD. No two humans are the same, no two diagnoses are the same, and no two stories are the same. It's something that feels really personal and we as mums seem to find a way to put pressure on ourselves to be perfect, Work in a great job that we get paid well for and are passionate about, have a clean, tidy home, and well mannered, obedient children. To have it all, can we just drop the expectations? There's no way that that's possible. We have a lot to learn and a lot to look forward to on this podcast, so let's go. This episode is on advocating for your child, which is something that will resonate so strongly with us women. And isn't it just another thing to do on top of everything else? We all talk about how busy and stressed we are. And then on top of this, we have to manage our children's medication possibly or advocate for them at school. And it can be so confusing. What is real? What isn't real? I notice with my kids, they will sometimes tell tall tales. They will embellish. They'll give one perspective. You're constantly trying to figure out what's actually been happening. We know that ADHD and ASD is relatively new in schools and education. We know that the typical hyperactive boy is the profile that typically gets referenced for teachers. We know the system is overworked. We have neurodiverse kids, parents expecting their child to be treated as an individual with minimal teacher's aids. Stress on the teachers is fierce, which means that sometimes it can feel that the principals are on the teacher's side. I've referenced in episodes before the strong arguments that I had with my daughter's school. There was obvious issues which escalated and I could see her just getting left behind every single day. The personality change of screaming, refusing to eat, melting down, anxiety before and after school, a complete personality change that just couldn't be ignored. And I put it down to some teachers' job sharing, Poor class selection of kids in that class. They were extremely loud, disruptive children. And I repeatedly gave Allied Health letters to the school to request a change. It went on and on. It was an incredibly emotional experience and it ended up with the principal of the school sending me an email in response to the multiple Allied Health letters I had referencing my child's escalation of anxiety and distress and needing to have one teacher, more structure and less noise. Her response to me was that my daughter was happy and engaged. She had no issues and it was all in my head. Needless to say, we left the school later that week. I found it excruciatingly frustrating to have a teacher give my child sensory toys and then the next teacher on the next day confiscate them and yell at her. It drove me insane. One of the things that I thought was a really positive thing to suggest was an educational specialist into female ADHD and ASD to educate the staff. I offered to pay for it, which was rejected because apparently they knew it all. There's an incredibly high level of frustration with ADHD, and I in myself know I can be quite impatient, I can be quite emotional, I can become angry. So we know that when we have high levels of emotion, our intelligence decreases. For about six weeks, I felt like I couldn't function because I was consumed with this issue with my child at school. And I think as well for mothers and daughters, it can be very emotional because I'm determined that my daughter won't experience what I went through. I know that she will to some extent and that's okay, but I want to do the very best that I can for her. I feel like the support is there better for the boys. My five-year-old son in prep has a great group of friends who are all neurodiverse. They're in his class and the school is amazing by rotating them, giving them dopamine hits, redirecting them, giving them mentoring by a special aid. But for the girls, it feels that they're completely missed. What I'd love to do now is to bring in a guest, Jenny Cleary, who has advocated very hard for her child to get what she needed at school. And I'd love to bring her in to see what insights and experiences she can share with us. So welcome, Jenny.
1: Hello, Jane. Thank you for having me here on your podcast today.
0: Now, Jenny, you have a beautiful accent. However, we know that you are in Australia. I just wanted to clarify in case anyone thinks that we're talking about a different education system. We are talking about the Australian education system. So tell me a little bit about, about you and your children and your experience.
1: My name is Jenny. I'm a 48-year-old woman married to my beautiful and supportive husband, Owen. I have possibly ADHD myself, and I'm currently going through the process of getting a diagnosis. I'm so very grateful to have two amazing neurodivergent children who taught me more about myself than anyone else. I'm strongly encouraging parents to listen to their young people and advocate for their children in this currently neurotypical dominated world. It has a massive impact in those young people's lives to have us supporting them.
0: I think it was with your daughter that you said that you had quite an experience advocating on her behalf. What happened there?
1: Yes, this is correct. So my child is now 10 years old. And we have lived in Australia since she is about three years old. I have noticed during all these years that she was just different. And sometimes it was very difficult for me to parent her. And I didn't know why, because I tried so hard, but I just felt like I failed. She had strong emotion outbreaks and She was just very strong-willed. So I was trying to figure out when she was, just before she started school, I was trying to get her assessed because I had this feeling she could be ASD, possibly also ADHD. I just didn't know. So I went to a psychologist to get her assessed and after the assessment, I was told that she has a strong level or high level of general and social anxiety and she has sensory processing disorder but she is not ASD or ADHD. So I took this diagnosis and I went back home was kind of a little bit disappointed but then I thought well I got told from a specialist so I must believe them and that's what it is so I engaged with her her, for my daughter's anxiety to improve her anxiety to start with which went pretty well but it was still really hard all these years my daughter was in kindergarten back then and I talked to the kindy teachers and I said how is my daughter at kindergarten? How how is she doing? And they all always said, she's an angel. She's beautiful. She's the most amazing child we could wish for. She's caring and sharing, looking after other people and just always quiet and well behaved. And I was like, I was like, okay, that's so nice to hear. I was very happy, of course. But back home, she presented very differently. And Every evening after childcare or after school or whatever, I would have massive meltdowns to deal with. Sometimes maybe aggressive behavior. And I just could not make sense of this. Have I failed as a mother being parenting my child? That I have to deal with all these behaviors and the others don't see it? That's what I started to believe. Then she started school She was a very anxious child as well the first half year went quite well and the teacher was amazed by our daughter and she's very bright and she did really good in school so i got all this positive feedback at school but again after school every time she was home we had massive meltdowns and i just could not make sense of it for years i just didn't know and i thought it was me because every time i went to school and i asked for feedback they said no, she's amazing she's perfect she's a good student she's well behaved and all these other things they taught me in kindergarten already yeah it was really tricky and then there was a few bumpy things on the road where there was bullying involved or where there was other very difficult behaved children in the classroom which were very noisy and punching in walls or throwing around the chair. And he never came home and told me, like, this is the trigger, this is a problem. But again, that was the times where her meltdowns just worsened and it was just almost unbearable for us at home. So it impacted our whole family life. And we were just, we felt like we struggle. We are on edge all day, every day. And we just didn't seem to understand what we should do or how we could help this because it was just, honestly, sometimes I felt like I don't want to do this anymore.
0: Yeah, so get that. And you start to feel a bit crazy, don't you? You think, oh, there's something wrong with me because no one else is seeing what I'm seeing.
1: Absolutely. And what also happened was the time came, What I was really lucky with is my daughter was very open talking to me about things. So a lot of the times in the evenings when we were in bed, she would open herself up and tell me what triggered her during the day or what she had difficulties with during the day. And she would always ask me, mom, can you please tell the teachers that this is really difficult for me? Or... Mom, this was really hard. I could almost cry, but no one understood. Or like all these other children who do all this stuff, I don't understand why they do this because it really is not nice. Like she will be very empathic to other children as well who would go through difficult times. And all these things she told me made me think, "Hmm, yes, I really need to talk for her. And I went to school, I often said to her as well, I must say, at the start, I said to her often, go to the teacher and talk to the teacher about it. Because the teacher is in school, they can deal with it. Mom is not always there and you need to learn to speak up for yourself. Because I thought it was important for my daughter to learn to be confident and to learn to be resilient as well and not always come home straight away. But as I said, after a while, I just realized that that went nowhere. She always came home and was even more upset and said, I did tell them, but they didn't listen. Or I did do this and this. And they they said to me, I shouldn't be so, like, I should be more resilient or this is not such a big deal. But she was crying at home and upset and said, but it was a big deal. Why can't they see this? And it made me realize I need to be there for her. She is about to break down from people not understanding these children's needs. That if they have a diagnosis or not, it actually doesn't even matter in the end. What matters is that every child is an individual and needs to be seen as this and needs to be cared for. And as soon as they feel safe and they feel understood and cared for, their academics will come Easily by themselves. They will be learning and they will be motivated to do
0: great things. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw on um, Facebook the other day there was a mum who was moving over from the UK and she had a daughter who had maybe level two autism. And she said, Oh, my daughter is used to having a one to one aid. And what school can I go to that has a one-to-one aid? And you should have seen the comments from, this is an ADHD mum group, with people sharing the experience they've had. And honestly, reading that, I'm so pro-teacher. I think that the teachers are overwhelmed, overworked, exhausted. The surge in neurodivergence is not something the Australian education system is ready for. And I think if those teachers had only 10 kids each, they would absolutely be doing more of what the kids need them to do. But they've got so many kids with so many needs and the reporting and the marking and the pressure. And so for me, I just don't feel like they have enough support. I think the teachers need to have a much smaller ratio if we can cater for these kids fully, because it's so difficult when you're advocating. I, I just wanted to say to the teachers this isn't about you. I know you're doing the absolute best that you can. And I know that the system sucks, but I don't know what else to do because my child's at home crying and they're crumbling. But I don't know what else to suggest. And they had no more resources. But it, you can't, you don't know where to blame because the teachers and the schools are doing the best they can. But then you have this feeling in your gut of like, I can't have my child continue there. You know, I just really resonate with what you're saying. And I think the system here is not ready and hasn't caught up.
1: Oh, yes, I absolutely agree. And as you said, I love that you said that because that's something which is very important to me as well. It's not the teachers. And sometimes I feel that's what's coming out of it is because the education system is not ready for it. The parents get more and more locked out of schools because there is not enough time or capacity to deal with the parents and the children's needs. And the teachers are getting the hard part because the parents are coming and advocating for their children. But It's not really in their hands to change things. In fact, most of my daughter's teachers were really beautiful. And they, even though they said we can't see anything, they were happy to support. But it was not always possible for them either. And so we came to the point where she was turning 10. That was last year. And she was regressing so much that she came to the point where it wasn't just the meltdowns it was her whole emotional feelings like it was everything was just she was so upset all the time she felt so worthless she felt like she said to me mom I don't think there's a place for me to be in this world. That's what she said to me one night in bed.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And she said, I don't understand what I should do here because she couldn't say why, but she just felt like very worthless and she didn't feel like belonging here anymore. And I said to her, darling, tell me what it is. Is it mom? Is it dad? Whatever it is, please let me know. I want to help you. And she said, Mom, it's school. It's just, and she expressed, and that's what I said before, she was really good to talk to me and expressing to me how she felt all these years. And she said, Mom, it's school. I just can't deal with this anymore. I feel stressed. I feel overwhelmed. The lights, the noise, the other children, the people who don't support us, who don't want to deal with us, seeing other children suffering, which is, putting a burden on her too because she's a highly empathic person. All these things made her feel so, yeah, sad and worthless at the same time because no one was listening and helping her outside of home.
0: I so resonate with what you're saying. Two things particularly when you're talking about your daughter referencing not being kind so, they're the values of the school. They just like spurt out some of them, like care about yourself, care about others, care about your learning. And they just recite them. But when you actually ask them to care or the child asks for help, the teacher's so overworked or stressed out, they just can't do it. And that doesn't make sense to a child who is possibly, you know, ASD or even kids that have got ADHD. Often they're highly empathetic, they don't understand how, why that's happening. And secondly, I wanted to mention when you're talking about your daughter feeling worthless, as women, ADHD women, I feel like that's one of the key things that women say, self-esteem, worthlessness, self-hatred. And you've just listed that your little girl there, like where does it start? We know it starts in the undiagnosed girls. And by the time you're 30, 40, 50, you get diagnosed you know, you've know, you only got 40 years of evidence of people telling you that you're not doing it right, you're not fitting in, you're not understanding. So of course, we are beaten down completely by the time we get in our 40s and we get diagnosed. And it's starting so early, it's just heartbreaking.
1: It is, it is absolutely heartbreaking. So what, what I did is, and that's actually a really interesting finding. See, She was 10, a very bright girl, and one day she came from school and she came to me and said, Mom, I think I'm ASD and maybe ADD. And I said to her, sorry, why do you come with this, darling? How does it come that you come to me and tell me this? Do you even know what that is? because we didn't talk about it because we got told when she was four she's not so we didn't want to put a big thing around it if you know she we didn't want to label her basically for not clear but so she came and told me this and she said mom we had and that's a good example of a good teacher So she said, we had this massive thing at school where one of the kids had a massive meltdown and punched in a wall and threw chairs around. And he just had this massive meltdown. We were all scared. And we had to, again, evacuate the classroom, which wasn't the first time. And the teacher took us back inside when everything was over. And she had a big talk about neurodivergency. And she talked to them about ADHD, ASD, and all these different traits and try to explain them, give them a couple of symptoms and that it is very difficult for these people who have these diagnoses to, to control these. And so she listened very carefully and she took it along and she said, Mom, all the symptoms the teacher mentioned, I felt like it's me. So I started to cry because that was after 10 years, knowing there's something different with my child. But everybody says, not, it's not true. In fact, we had situations where she was in family settings where she was seen as a spoiled child, which gets always the way and not being like being really ungrateful or whatever. So we had lots of these things during the past 10 years and it just came all out and I started to cry and I made her sit down because I felt it's she's ready for a talk with me and she's ready to hear what I have to say so I explained her what my feelings were for the past 10 years and that it was interesting that she came home and telling me that she thinks the same way which made me feel really good because I felt like nobody believed me. So I went to a friend and I asked the friend if she knows any good books for 10-year-old good readers who could read about ASD particularly, because that was mainly in focus back then. And she said she gave me some good books, which I could offer my daughter. And one was a different sort of normal And I gave all these books to her and said, you don't have to if you don't want to read it. But here are some books about ASD. And if you would like to know more about it, just have a look. But this different sort of normal book, she picked up and she didn't let go. She read it in a very short time. And she came back to me and she said, Mom, this woman who's written that book she was basically writing in the book about herself as a child how she experienced her environment the teachers the parents and how she felt and she said to me mom that's exactly how i feel every day mm. so i said okay and then it gave her the options of getting another diagnose or wait and funnily enough she said no mom The book says it's just a different sort of normal. So I don't need a diagnose. I'm fine. I know what I have now and that's all I need. Unfortunately, along the track, she realized more and more how unkind society is and how not supporting they are. Between self-diagnosed herself and she got diagnosed, she had a very tough time as I told you before she was suicidal she didn't want to live anymore not that she would have done it but it was just so terrible to see her and now looking back honestly it was like every year worse and worse and she digressed and digressed emotionally so much until she was at the stage where she didn't want to live anymore still went to school every day but didn't feel good about it she said can I stay home, mom? I don't want to go to school. I said, darling, this is unfortunately something we have to do. Everyone has to do. Today, I must admit, I wish I would have not done this, but I didn't know any better. And I would have listened more to her emotional needs at the time. So anyways, I went to school and I asked them for help. I was having a burnout because it was just awful to see my daughter suffering so much that she would want to take her own life. I talked to them and I said, I need six months. I have six months until I I get to see a psychologist for another diagnose. Can you please support me? This is the problem I am facing. And I explained them how I feel, how the situation is. And I asked them for help and support. I did never think about support in terms of a one-by-one teacher, in terms of my daughter. I was more thinking about that she could bring her Fidget toys, that she could go and have a, a timeout, go in a room and calm herself if she needed to. She's a very like it doesn't need much support at all if she has the understanding for her needs. She can do it herself. But instead of the school asking me what are your needs and what would you like us to do, how can we support, they just said the teacher is already doing enough and you can't ask for anything more. What do you expect us to do? And I thought in my mind, oh, my God, I'm talking about a child who is about to thinking about to take her life and they are brushing me off with not even asking, give us a list of what your child needs to be able to function until she gets her diagnosed. Give her ideas of what we can do. No, they wouldn't even offer this. They wouldn't even listen. They would just brush us off.
0: Oh, wow. And so
1: they decide in the end to do an assessment for my daughter. And I said, we can do the assessment at school. That's no problem. But I'm almost sure after all these years, it will show very differently at school than it does at home. Because she is masking everything and she's very smart. And they said, that doesn't matter. That's OK, because then we will see she is masking if the difference is so massive. So with that feedback, I thought to agree to it. And I said, OK, let's do it. So we did the assessment. And after about one week or two weeks, I don't remember, they came back to me. Made a meeting with me, sat me down and said, and gave me a letter and said, Look, we have done the assessment. We can't see any problems for your daughter at school. She is a brilliant student. She is a wonderful child. She doesn't seem to suffer at all in in our school environment. I'm very sorry, but we can't help you at this stage. And here we took the time to write a letter. And put in all the assessment documents for you, so you can take them to your GP. And I sat there. Wait,
0: wait, Jenny! Wow.
1: Yeah. Oh
0: my god, that is like that is I can't believe that. So you agreed, did what they asked, and then they used the information to basically tell you you were wrong. Yes. With a with a child, a child. That's contemplating suicide. That floors me
1: completely. To get her the support she needs, begging at home, crying in my own eyes, and I was heartbroken. Imagine I've left this place. I felt so let down. I felt, I felt again. I felt like, oh my god, am I such a bad parent? Is it really us? They make us feel like there's a problem at home, if you know what I mean. I felt like they must think we are doing something to that child at home, that she is behaving like that at home. But Mm -hmm. no, I know better now. I know that I'm actually a brilliant mother who is actually taking care of her and listening to her needs, and I was the only place where she disclosed all what she felt and needed.
0: That, oh, Jenny, I so agree. I had my, and I feel like my seven-year-old daughter was on the same path as your 10-year-old. And, you know, there was only one person that sat on the end of the bed with her every night while she cried. And we know that, of course, they got to go to school every day in mask. But the toll that that costs them psychologically, the mother, I don't want to say the mother, the parent, it might be the dad as well, but we're the ones that know. And then to be told that we're crazy, you know, I need counselling because she seems happy and engaged. I I am completely blown away by your story. I honestly, that is just. So tell me what happened next, because I'm dying to know.
1: Yes. So I went home. I walked home. It's not far from where I live. I walked home crying all the way crying I felt like this is not right this is just not right I let I I got let down and even worse my daughter got let down Mm. the one who was standing on top of like on a podest every every couple of months for
0: getting an award from school but then Jenny if you didn't have the relationship with her if you were not the mother that you are and she had no one to talk to like, what would she have done? And that's what gets me. That what's what gets me. I just think those poor kids. And, it's, you know, it's the boys in that situation I, that are going to smash the wall and hit someone and they're going to get the help. But the perfect student who's verbally asking and not doing anything gets nothing. Oh, that gets me.
1: What a good point. That's what my daughter always said.
0: Yeah, exactly. and the angel child that's doing the right thing and that's how we create all of these adhd and asd mothers is that because we're still striving for perfection and we've learned not to ask for help
1: oh that's a very good question too yeah and she said that to me as well she asked often in the night mom i don't understand why all these children who are behaving bad they all get support and help they are behaving themselves so bad but what about me? I suffer. I can't, like, I have triggers which I can hardly function in school because it is so hard to to do all this stuff they are asking. But I want, you know, because she's a perfectionist, so she's doing her best she can to function during the day and just completely breaks down when she comes home. She oh, couldn't absolutely. understand why.
0: And that's the real ASD trait, isn't it? Being so empathetic towards others and just trying so hard. I just released an episode on how to identify ADHD in girls. And a lot of it's got crossover with ASD. And that's personal sacrifice to get where they need to get. And it's not just about a diagnosis because that was part of the issue I had with the school we were at. We had a diagnosis. We had a report we had allied health letters and it was still about the kid that was running out of the door and running down the road. It was still about the kid who was, you know, hitting and, and punching others. And it wasn't about my child because she came across as happy as engaged, but I knew what it cost her inside to, to be that person and to fake that mask to be that person that I knew she wasn't and I think it's highly triggering for us as mothers because I'm like that's how I lived my life and you know how I ended up in high school severe depression in a complete mess and so completely emotionally triggered by this reaction that it's possibly me and I'm like it's not me it's a lack of education on your part
1: Yes, I mean, there is also, by the way, there was a hearing on the 22nd of February from the government about exactly these issues. First, they called it school refusal, but a lot of the professionals who were talking to the government about that school needs to change, they would like to change it to schools can't do instead of school refusal, because it's not the children who actually want to refuse school. It's actually because the school system is not able to support the children. They can't cope and don't want to go to school.
0: Absolutely. I think you said as well about a classroom environment and that you said she actually didn't need much. You weren't asking for a long list, but instead of asking you what you wanted, which could have been very achievable from my impression of you, it was just, well, we're not doing this. And I tell you, I've seen a huge change in my daughter. We changed her out of the school that I've mentioned. We moved to another beautiful, beautiful school. And the difference there has been the environment. We don't need a special plan. We don't need anything special. All we need is a quiet environment, which is all I was asking for. Nothing else. And we've gone from this full experience over in one school to just a nice, quiet environment with a teacher who's very kind, the same teacher every day, the same rules every day, with no no real education changes at all. That's not what we were asking for and my impression of you is that's not what you are asking for either.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what you're saying. And yes, so I walked home that night, that afternoon, and I was crying and I thought I need to change. I can't literally send my child or actually my children, but I first wanted to fix the situation with my daughter. And I said, I can't literally imagine to send my child any day longer there. We realized if she's in the right environment and has the right people around her, She will do well and she needs that connection and interaction. But we also found a beautiful school, very small, and exactly what you're saying. They're not doing massive changes. They are just, they are a school, but they are just taking the child as an individual human with its own special personality and needs. They recognize these people as individuals and they give them the environment they need to flourish and i cannot say more it took not even a week we had not a single meltdown anymore every afternoon it was just a delight to pick her up from school she was just a happy herself smiling at me only one week after she started the new school and before it was the whole four and a half years or five five and a half years of school where it was just a drama every night almost so it was it's so amazing and i talk a lot to the teachers and principal of the new school she is in and i say you know if people only would realize it doesn't take much it doesn't take much at home in within family environments because this can be tricky as well because people not understanding neurodivergency within the family especially the older generations but also in the school environment and in public it does not take much it's just educate yourself and understand how these children function and what their needs are and it's so simple
0: (laughs) yeah it's funny isn't it we went to the new school and my requirement was can you please not yell at her if she's off track that was the basic if you could just not yell at her and just remind her what she's supposed to be doing, I'll be happy with that. And I just think how basic was that request? But then in fairness, we both said we've got neurodivergent children. I have two boys. I talk about my daughter a lot because obviously that I'm very passionate about girls and girls getting what they need and deserve and require in life but I do have two boys too, but I just noticed that they're more catered for and they are quite disruptive as well. My boys are rowdy. They are disruptive. They yell and scream and they do drive me completely crazy. So I often reference that I imagine at the old school that, that it would be a little bit similar to on the weekend if it's rainy, for example, and my boys are fighting. So they're five and four. So they fight physically all day. It reminds me of if my daughter came and says to me over the top, starts yelling, I want to do art. I want to do art. I want to do art. Now her doing art is a really positive experience and I would love to facilitate that for her with her, but I have a crisis. I've got two reactive boys who are probably going to put one through the wall or drive their bike out on the road who are in critical need of supervision and often her needs come last. And that's three children, three. So I'm just trying to imagine what you would do with 20, 25, 30, all like that. And then I'm there going, Well, why didn't you set up art for my daughter? You know, not that I'm saying that to the teacher, but I mean, if someone said to me on that day, Why did you not set up art for that little girl who just really wanted the art set up? The reality was, I was just in crisis mode, I'm reactive. And that's where I think the girls don't necessarily get the help because if I'm honest, on the weekend, it can be really difficult for me to carve out that time because whilst I'm setting up the art gear, you know, my four-year-old's throwing the canvas across the wall. My five-year-old's got the paint. He's throwing it around. I'm trying to fill up water for watercolors. You know, it can be an absolute debacle to set up a really simple, lovely task. Then you also need to keep the boys away from her whilst she's doing it. And that for me was reflective of what I believe a classroom would be like, not that I have any teaching background at all, but these girls get a little bit left behind. And I think it's because they're so sweet and well-mannered a lot of the time. And they ask so nicely. You desperately want to help them, but like, you've got a fire over there that you've also got to put out because you don't want someone getting seriously hurt. And that's where I think the education system, I don't know. It's not my area. I don't know how it needs changing, but I just see that that the little girls get missed.
1: Oh, yes, I, I, I absolutely agree. I have a boy as well, which is recently diagnosed with ADHD, and he's turning eight this year. Is He just internalised himself because basically my daughter went to the same school and one day she heard the teacher screaming at him and she said, oh, my God, the teacher just screamed at you. What are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Does that not bother you? This is terrible. And he said, no, I actually don't really care anymore. So he just found his way to deal with it. Resignation, basically. But in saying that, I agree with you as well. How hard must it be for the teachers? And one point was really good because in the government hearing, the lady said, well, I used to work as a teacher, and she said, I used to work in high school. I had, I don't know how many classes, 20 classes or something, and each, imagine now, I would have to cater for each student's needs and individual person. It's just impossible. I can't do that. How do you think this could happen? And the mental health professional who was there talking to her said, did anybody say it has to be the teacher? Even if teacher aides are educated in that field and to take over that role, there is a lot of creative ideas out there and I'm really hoping for the next generation that they will create a better school environment.
0: Yeah, I really agree with you and I think all the parents that I speak to, we all kind of say, wow, we feel for the teachers. I personally couldn't do it. But then I also think, Particular schools, particularly the new one that we're at, I noticed that they've identified that there's eight neurodiverse boys in my son's prep class. Now, that teacher does a phenomenal job. Like, she's amazing. But because they're quite disruptive and they're quite rowdy, what are they going to do about it? So they came up to me the other day and said, Look, we've got this male teacher's aide, and he's going to come in and he's going to take the boys for a run around the oval to wear them out a little bit. Brilliant idea. I just loved it, right? And they are so proactive there. God, I love them. Like, they are amazing. So, anyway, I just thought, wow, because if we look at that, how those eight boys are impacting in that class of 23 or 24, whatever it is, they're anticipating that and they're actually running them out throughout the day. And I just think even small things like that, you don't need another qualified teacher. Could we? You don't take maybe the girls out for some cool down time or take the boys out that really need to move. And I mean, we shouldn't genderize it. There's girls that need to move too and there's boys that need time out. Yeah. It's just a resource thing, isn't it? And it's some schools seem to have the resources and some don't. And I always see state versus private in Facebook groups. Is a state school better? Is a private school better? I just think it comes down to the principle. I, I don't really know. Because I was really nervous picking a second school, thinking all the schools talk a good game. You ask them about inclusion, they all say they do it. But you don't really know until you get there. So it's really nerve-wracking and you don't want to come across needy and like high maintenance either. So you're like trying to get into the school, but also trying to make sure it works. But some principals seem to give a lot of resources towards teachers' aids or neurodivergence. The other thing that's really interesting I found out from the public school that we were at was that they said that because it was quite an affluent public school area, they actually get less funding. So if you're in a lower socioeconomical area, they provide more government funding. So because it was Sunshine Coast, it's quite a nice area now, that there was a lot less government support. I thought that was really interesting because I thought all the schools got the same amount of money. And the new school that we were at, funnily enough, said to us, make sure you don't overstate your income and occupation because we rely on that for funding. Like basically, I thought that was really interesting because that's in a slightly different area. And they were like, just to let you know, if you think it's about making sure that you're a good person, don't overstate your education because we're actually relying on people having less education I was like wow okay I didn't realize that
1: wow this is big I didn't know that but that's really interesting too but I agree with you I don't think in the end private or public what is better I could not narrow it down I really think to it probably also depends on the child but to be honest for me the best goal was always take my child along and make her feel the environment and give me feedback that sounds a bit silly i know but i've learned the past 10 years that we sometimes struggle a little bit with our intuition where children still have this strong gut feel where we sometimes overthink important things that needs to be
0: taken in consideration Mm. Absolutely. And I think as you know, we have a lot of evidence that our gut isn't right. And sometimes having ADHD, you get told you're wrong a lot and that can really affect your confidence. So if you have a strong feeling in your gut that you need to do something, sometimes I overthink it because I think I've been wrong so many times. I thought that was a good decision and it wasn't. And that affects your confidence and your self-esteem. And I think as children, maybe they haven't had that experience yet. So they're more innocent. They just have a very clear picture of, well, I I need to do this. And um, I'm almost a little jealous because as adults, well, I definitely overcomplicate decision-making, especially about my children because you have a gut, but yet it's such a big decision. You're terrified of following it as well.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, uh-huh. Jenny, I think we might leave it there. It's been such an incredible interview. I just feel like... The girls in our world need more help. They need us as mothers to advocate for them. I don't want to see another generation of women that are undiagnosed, unmedicated, untreated without therapy and feeling that there's something wrong with them because there isn't. They're perfect just the way they are. And I really have to commend you as a mother. I think you've done a phenomenal job. For me, I felt like what you said when your daughter came to you and said, I think I have ASD. I think I might have ADD. And your response was so empathic and beautiful. And I really have to commend you for having such an open relationship with your daughter that she felt she could come to you because that's such an incredible story.
1: Yes. Thank you so much.